4: and sickle of the Soviet Union, slashing at Hitler's military arrogance, pounding the battered remains of his encircled divisions. This is a newsreel record of what may prove to have been the turning point of the war on the Eastern Front, perhaps the turning point of the whole war, with men of the Red Army finishing off the would-be conquerors of Stalingrad, mopping up German survivors in and around Stalingrad, finally crushing every point of resistance. Lieutenant General Batov greets General Rokosovsky and Marshal Voronov. Rokosovsky, the famous Don Front commander, Voronov representing the Soviet High Command. Two of the leaders who won a victory that will not be forgotten so long as war itself is remembered. The battle is drawing to a close. Russian artillerymen fire point blank at the last stronghold of Germany's doomed battalion. The hammer and sickle of the Red Army completely broke down the enemy's will to fight and the Russians are reaping the reward of their gigantic efforts as at point after point, whole detachments of German troops give themselves up. Now the white flag of capitulation has taken the place of the Crooked Cross. survivors of a German army of over 300,000 officers and men have had enough. And that goes for the surviving German generals, too. Here they come. Lieutenant General von Daniel, commander of the 376th Infantry Division, surrenders with what's left of his force.
0: Okay, welcome. Saturday, 28 January in the year of our Lord, 2023. Remember that, January of 2023. 80 years ago, in January 1943, we're going to get to all of that in a moment. We're going to go from uh, the bloodlands of Ukraine and uh, in, in Russia and Belarus to, um, to New Hampshire. President Trump's going to give a speech today. That speech is not going to start at 11 o'clock. It's going to start at noon. We're doing the pregame on this, we have Heather Mullins of Real America's Voice on the scene, uh, and we're going to cover this uh, in its entirety. Uh, it's going to be a really the kickoff speech, and I think uh, uh, it's going to be um, direct and to the point. And let's say I think this is one of the more important speeches that President Trump is going to give, so I want everybody to, to hang on for that. We're going to do a lot of analysis and lead up to it. Um, first, I've got uh, two of the smartest guys I know Colonel John Mills and Jack Pasovic, both uh, from the Intel community. Um, or I guess Colonel Mills was second deed to the intel community, but that's good enough. Um, 80 year, those who don't understand history are condemned to repeat it. Um, and we are heading into something that is extremely dangerous, scary, and, uh, going to be very tough to, to change course. Okay. And this is going to suck up and don't, don't. Don't focus on the, everything the media is talking to you about, about all the misdirection plays, all the shiny toys they're putting out there that they want you to, um, to focus on. Uh, right now, the national security apparatus, the administrative state of the United States and its deep state rogue elements, of which Elise Stefanik is in the New York Post today. John Levin's got an amazing exclusive story, and she's no firebrand. She's saying that the intelligence community of the United States has committed multiple crimes and that the weaponization of government uh, subcommittee or, or committee is going to get to it, which he's on. I want to start with Jack a uh, Jack, uh, now the foreign minister said yesterday: "There's 300. And t- we now know what the scale of this is. There's 321 tanks have been committed by various NATO uh, groups, including the the the, mo- the biggest is the Leopard two tank from uh, from uh, Germany, and of course the Abrams tank." Uh, Eighty years ago – people should understand this in, – in, at Stalingrad, Stalingrad, the German army surrendered on Tuesday 80 years ago. Field Marshal Polis, who I think got promoted today 80 years ago because they thought a, field, a promotion to Field Marshal would make them stand and fight and die, um, was preparing uh, a, last, uh, a, a last offensive to see if there's anything to do, and then they, uh, they surrendered in, in the Bloodlands, and people have to understand this was the center, the, the 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 center of the fighting in the most vicious war in world history. This was the most vicious and biggest place. Jack Pasicovic, are are we sleepwalking into something that's very dangerous and 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 and, and really committing um, tank warfare, maneuver warfare, back into the Bloodlands where? Marsh, General Marshall, General Patton, General Montgomery, General Omar Bradley, you name them, you pick them, General Eisenhower, under no circumstances ever conceived of, you'd have American uh, assets and American resources uh, in, in a land war in Eurasia, and particularly, and I want everybody to understand this, American, because Holocaust Memorial Day was on Friday, they didn't even know Joe Scarborough and those guys over there. You got to understand who who, who who ended the Holocaust was the American army, the British army, but the Russian people, the Russian – not the communists and not Khrushchev and not these guys at Stalingrad, the political officers, the, the Russian people. You're, you're about – Pasoba, help me out here. We're about to actually have American tanks rolling across the bloodlands with German tanks with iron crosses on it on the 80th anniversary of Kursk and Stalingrad and Volgograd and all that, sir?
1: So Steve, as as a guy of Polish descent, and as everybody knows, my, my wife was, was born in the Soviet Union. You know, my, my wife's grandmother is actually still alive, and she was about 9 and 10 years old during World War II, so she remembers it. And she sat down and I've got recordings of her that we just sat down for about an hour once and she told us all about it. And she speaks a very uh, rural dialect of Belarusian, but I was able to record it. And of course, Tanya can speak it, so we're we're translating it. But the one phrase that sticks out in my mind that she says, every blade of grass was covered in blood for four years. Uh, I've traveled throughout... Throughout Belarus, where we were, Uh, we actually got our engagement photos done at a chapel that's right next to uh, Brest Krepest, and this is Brest Fortress. This is the the exact spot where Operation Barbarossa was launched that kicked off the Eastern Front. This is when the, the Nazis and the Soviets rumbled the last time the German tanks rolled on Eastern Europe. The Eastern Front, for those who haven't paid attention to that part of the war... Just go watch Enemy at the Gates. Go read the fantastic book on Stalingrad. This was the largest military confrontation in human history. Unprecedented ferocity, whole-scale destruction, the deportations, the death marches, the extermination camps. And when you hear, you say that to any Eastern European, that the German tanks are coming again, that sends, it's, it's like a lightning bolt through your backside, right through your spine to say it's it's opening up again because there are people that are still alive today, like my wife's grandmother, my children's great-grandmother, that lived through the death of 30 million soldiers and civilians just on the Eastern Front. This is something that what that does to a people, to a culture, to a country, to an area that is completely unforgettable. The pogroms, the ghettos, all of it. That's what, that's what it conjures back up when you talk about Germantown, I don't know if they still have the Iron Crosses on there, but this this loss of life, the starvation, the exposure, <clears throat> the massacres that took place. And you mentioned, of course, we just had the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz and Polish Arsentum. Uh this, this this all happening at the same time. This is all happening at the same time, and that is why that some of these areas like. You hear the same the same words again, the same names. Uh, the the Battle of Azov, the Battle of Kharkov, the Battle of the Dnieper, the Battle of Kiev, uh, the Battle of of Kursk, right? the Battle of Donbas, the Second Battle of Donbas. These are the exact same areas that were fought over in that war. And for the people of this this area, they are galvanized now. They are galvanized about this thing because what it looks like is that NATO has declared war on Russia. And look, I've got two little kids. I don't want to get into who started it. I want to find out how we don't reopen the Eastern Front. Because, Steve, there is a big difference between 80 years ago and today. You know what that difference is? That difference is nuclear weapons. And the fact that President Trump is giving a speech today, I think, is no coincidence, right? There are no conspiracies. But there are coincidences. And I think that President Trump is one of the only people on the world stage right now calling for peace because he understands the briefing that comes when you understand the escalation with a nuclear power.
0: Uh, by the way, President Trump's speech today is going to have, a, uh, is gonna have a, uh, I think, a big part about, uh, about the Ukraine war. And President Trump is the only uh, person of any stature that can be a peacemaker in being a dealmaker. Um, you know, people in the United States think that, particularly the younger generation, think that uh, the whole World War II is Pearl Harbor, Normandy, and the Holocaust. Okay, uh, our involvement and uh, the the bravery and valor of the Greatest Generation is unquestionable. And what they did from Guadalcanal to to Saipan to Guam to the island hopping, uh, what they did of uh, the Eighth Air Corps. In fact, today, eighty years ago today, they were unloading. And precision daylight bombing, the most dangerous of all, over the industrial base of the Ruhr. Right? The, the, the bravery of, of, uh, of North Africa, of submarine warfare, of the, uh, of, the, of the North Atlantic, all of it, incredible. Normandy, the landings breaking out. Okay, but go
1: watch Band of Brothers.
0: The, the war, 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 World War, watch Band of Brothers. But people, World War II was one. In the uh, on the on the mainland China, bleeding out the Japanese Imperial Army with about 35 million Lao Beijing casualties. Okay, and the Russian people destroying essentially the Wehrmacht. Right, these massive ta- these battles in in on the Eastern Front, the siege of Leningrad, um, the the drive to Moscow, the battle in Kursk, uh, the battle of Stalingrad. These are these are the biggest, most vicious battles in world history. People have to understand something because. Of, from Stud Turkle's book, you had this concept of the good war. And yes, our, our cause was righteous. There's no doubt about that. But if you look at the war, the war worked its way up to a war of annihilation. Annihilation. And this is the law of unintended consequences what happens when it's this vicious and this brutal and this bloody? At the end of it, it was an outright war of annihilation. Annihilation. We are, start, we are in uncharted territory here by doing this. I've got Jack Posobiec, Naval Intelligence, Colonel John Mills, formerly with the Secretary of Defense Office for Intelligence. We're going to break down everything before President Trump's speech. I think President Trump is going to come at this hard today, Ukraine war, and that's before he has his uh, South Carolina soiree with uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, mini-me warmonger. Okay, short commercial break. Back in the war room in a moment. Spread
2: the word Hong Kong. We will fight till We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. In
5: my
0: younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. you also receive a free air quality monitor plus fast free shipping that's a hundred and fifty dollars savings right there that's ekpure.com code steve ekpure.com code steve
2: After months of stalemate in the battle for Ukraine's eastern Donbass region Russia has a victory to celebrate. The town of Solidar a few miles to the north of Bakhmut, has fallen to the Kremlin's forces. Russia hopes this is a stepping stone to capturing Bakhmut itself before pushing on to take the rest of the region. But the win has been brutal, bloody, caused infighting in the Kremlin, and is far from the breakthrough that Moscow claims. Here, we look at how Russia took the town and the price they paid for it. Solodar is a small town in eastern Ukraine, about seven miles north of the key crossroads city of Bakhmut. It is located in Donetsk Oblast, one of four Ukrainian regions that Putin has claimed as his own and vowed to capture. Heavy fighting has been going on there since August, with Russia unable to break through Ukraine's defences for months. But on January 12th, the Kremlin's commanders claimed the town as their own. The win moved the front line forwards just a few miles, but was celebrated in victory-starved Moscow as evidence that everything is going according to Putin's master plan. But the advance has come at a huge cost. 20,000 Russian troops may have been killed fighting in Solodar and Bakhmut, according to one of President Zelensky's advisors. Conditions on the battlefield have been described as hellish, reminiscent of the darkest days of the First World War. Almost all trees and buildings have been destroyed, meaning Ukrainian troops were dug into trenches for protection. They were subjected day and night to withering artillery fire before Russian troops charged forward in an attempt to overrun their lines. Ukrainian officials describe soldiers running around and over the bodies of their dead comrades in hopeless attacks. Autumn rains reduced the battlefield to a muddy quagmire reminiscent of Passchendaele, while winter brought temperatures down to minus 20 Celsius. Drones captured footage of Russian soldiers freezing to death in shallow foxholes, while the vicious cold made combat wounds much deadlier. The attacks were spearheaded by the Wagner Group, a private military company run by Yevgeny Prigozhin, a friend of the yeah. Russian president, dubbed Putin's chef. His troops are known for brutality and a complete lack of morals, hired straight out of Russian prisons or from recruits dismissed by the regular Russian military. In Soledar, they have been mixed in with what is left of Russia's paratrooper units and its newly mobilized men and used as cannon fodder. This has caused infighting between Prigozhin and his bitter rivals in the Russian Ministry of Defense over who exactly is responsible for the victory. As the news that Solodar had fallen began to spread in Russian media, Prigozhin said the win belonged to Wagner, and Wagner alone. That was contradicted by the Russian Ministry of Defense, which insisted its troops had led the attack. After a day of back and forth, the Ministry of Defense suddenly backed down and credited Wagner. Following a meeting between Prigozhin and Putin. But the Wagner boss has not had everything his own way. General Surovikin, who had been in charge of the war in Ukraine for the last three months, was suddenly demoted just as Solidar was falling. Surovikin, an ally of Prigozhin, was replaced by General Gerasimov, overall head of the Russian Armed Forces and a Ministry of Defense loyalist. The move suggests that victory in Solidar has fractured the fragile balance of power inside the Kremlin, with Prigozhin rising perhaps a bit too far and too fast for Putin's liking. The Russian president, typically a master at playing off factions against one another to his own benefit, may now feel threatened by a monster of his own making. For all of Moscow's bragging, taking Solidar is a modest game at the best for months of hard and bloody fighting. Ukraine continues to insist that Russia is not even in control of the whole town, as their soldiers still hold positions in the outskirts. True, they have taken valuable salt mines, which Prigozhin will use to store men and equipment away from Ukrainian high marks. And it also opens the door for troops to attack Bakhmut from the north. But the victory there is far from guaranteed. And even if Russia's exhausted troops do take Bakhmut, they will still be a long way from capturing the whole of Donetsk. Each man they lose in that effort will be one less to hold back the Ukrainian counterattack that is brewing, which will now be armed with British Challenger tanks. Bleeding Russia dry in Donbass, then attacking elsewhere, has already allowed Ukraine to liberate much of the Kharkiv region and the city of Kherson. It could turn out that Russia has won this battle, but in doing so, has lost the war.
0: Okay. Jack Pasovic, Colonel uh, Mills, joins us. Uh, a couple of takeaways there. 20,000 casualties. 20,000 casualties. Also uh, talking about uh, the Wagner Group, and, and, and they refer to this as Poshendale, which is one of the bloodiest co- battles in World War One. This is the type of analogies people are making. Jack Pasovic, Wagner Group. Is Wagner Group the new Waffen-SS, sir?
1: Well, Steve, of course, uh, you know we're listening to the British tabloid, extremely pro-Ukrainian version of events. So, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see inflated numbers. It wouldn't surprise me to see, of course, uh, the UK has been uh, has always been uh, viewing Russia as their ally or as their greatest adversary since uh, really World War One. Even regardless of your your you know the, the alliance during the time to go after Germany, they've always viewed this as part of the great game. So, it doesn't surprise me that they're going to use numbers like that. Um, To compare them to the Waffen-SS, I don't necessarily know that I would do that just because I I don't necessarily want to compare any group to a group that took part in the Holocaust. I think that's a singular event, and I wouldn't necessarily draw those conclusions. But uh, certainly, it brings up um, references to the NKVD. It brings up thoughts of Spetsnaz, some of the fighting that we saw in Chechnya. And of course, by the way, Prigozhin, who was the leader of, at least the political leader of Wagner, and uh, Dmitry Utkin, uh, the military commander of Wagner, both cut their teeth in both Chechnya and the fighting that went through there in Grozny, where they just leveled city after city in order to take that land, and then also went down and are really credited with turning around Syria and basically making sure that the Assad regime was able to continue in Syria. Not only was it Wagner Group, but also the new commander of the Russian Special Military Operation, Sergei Sorovkin. He is the general that Putin sent to Syria back in 2015, 2016, when ISIS was really taking control of that area. Uh, it was he who was sent down in order to just completely level any ISIS stronghold, and that's exactly what he did. Serovkin so is now, just a few months ago, I believe in October, was placed as the new leader of what they're calling the Special Military Operation in Ukraine. And that's really when you saw this dra- this dramatic pullback from Kherson across the dnieper River. That's when you saw the pullback in Kharkov. In that's where you see this, this new methodical calculating approach boards, particularly, and they do mention this in in the British tabloid piece that you just played, the the four regions, the oblasts that Putin specifically annexed. You're talking Kherson, Zaporizhia, uh, Lugansk, and Donetsk. Lugansk province has pretty much already been taken over by Russia. It's the other ones that are still outstanding. Those are the ones, and by the way, uh, some of those areas, some of those oblasts, do extend to the other side of the Dnepr River. So when my brother and I were there in Nikolayev, we were very, very close to the um, to the western flank of Kherson at that point. By the way, Zaporizhia, the exact but, same but, area where they have that nuclear yeah. power plant.
0: I, I know we, I know you, you got a punch, but I got to bring up uh, the Americans. We had the head of the CIA there, Alexander Burns. We had the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, then then Austin went uh, went over to make the pitch to the, to the NATO group. Uh, the Americans are saying, we're going to get you tanks. We're going to come in with Abrams tanks. In fact, we may take them away from the Taiwanese in the production line, as been reported by Politico. Uh, the Germans are going to bring the ones with the iron crosses on it, the, the Leopard 2s. The British are going to give what the challenger is. We're going to, and the foreign minister, some, some guy leaked yesterday, It's 321 battle tanks. But we want you to change your strategy. What we want to do is going to maneuver combined arms warfare, the most complicated in the world. And by the way, we're going to throw some F-16 jets in there, too, right in long-range missiles. But we want you to pivot because they're backing this fantasy about go back and take pivot south and go take Crimea. Sevastopol and Yalta, go take Crimea. And while we're at it, why don't we swing by Odessa? Jack Posobiec, in in the escalation of this conflict for it to spin out of control – is anything more dangerous than that for the Americans uh, to be pushing the Ukrainians to do this, sir? Uh,
1: that that that's a suicide run. The Russians are never going to give up Crimea. They they certainly would never consider giving that up. That is their warm water port in the Black Sea. That is the area you just mentioned. That's where the Yalta Conference took place. That this is some of the area. This this is the, the land land they took back from the Ottomans. Uh, they are never going to give up Crimea. They will. Putin has said in, in no unequivocal terms, that he will go nuclear if it looks like Crimea will fall. He's basically driven that line. And you saw the response when the Crimea bridge was attacked. He just rained down uh, cruise missiles all across Ukraine after this. What you're also seeing, though, Steve, is this idea that we are going to demilitarize ourselves. We're going to demilitarize any possible defense or any credible deterrence we'd have vis-a-vis the Taiwan Strait and Taiwan Island in order to make sure that our interests, which I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly America's interests are in, those, in what I just mentioned, Kherson, Zaporizhia, Lugansk, and Donetsk, which I'm sure if you walked up and down the street in any American city, people wouldn't be able to find on the map uh, why it is that we're demilitarizing ourselves. Yeah. By the way, um, if you go look at Reuters, they got to piece up American arms sales up 49% the export in 2022. Yeah. So, of course, there's obviously a financial incentive here as well.
0: Jack, I know you got to bounce. How do people get to Human Events Daily? Uh, Charlie's going to come out with something special over the weekend. We've got a 30 seconds. How do people get to all your content over the weekend until you back live Yeah, Human on,
1: Events on, on Daily. Monday? We've got a huge special up tomorrow all about what we call the Singapore option, the return of corporal punishment. Why is it that when Singapore took crime seriously, they were able to clean up their land and Lee Kuan Yew was able to turn it into one of the shining cities
0: in the world? Uh, Jack Basovic, thank you for your analysis. Appreciate you taking time away from the family. Thank Tanya uh, for all yeah, her input you. and her family's input about what's going on. Okay, Colonel uh, Mills is going to join us. Burkwam's down in uh, the Darien Gap. The charnel house of the bloodlands. Unbelievable. The only way it stops is President Trump. And this audience has to have his back. Today in New Hampshire. All next in the war room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bass. Okay, welcome back. Uh, I want everybody to understand, don't, don't, uh, I understand there's a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger, and there should be, uh, about what happened yesterday in Dana Point. Uh, All I can tell you is uh, there are a lot of things going on, and we're going to be able to bring uh, people on here, maybe not this morning but uh monday and uh and tuesday and wednesday and thursday but there's a lot going on i think there are people that were very involved in all of that uh that it's just um how do i say it's just not going to be the way forward it just can't be because that's just uh, that's just uh, you know you're just spinning your wheels you're not making progress and so for everybody out there in our vast audience uh, understand there's a lot going on and we'll be able to you know, bring this forward in a more, how to say, coherent way uh, over the next couple of days. But understand that people have been working nonstop since that vote went down. It's just not going to, you know, we're just not going to go back to a group hug. Can't. Impossible. This is all about you have to win. Right. You've seen the changes in the House right now about, about uh, taking the House and these victories so far, and they're all going to be hard fought. The debt ceiling, uh, all of it, huge battles. President Trump's kickoff today, I think, is going to be quite important to galvanize really the thinking about directionally where we are going from the southern border to the debt ceiling to the to this insane um, kinetic war in uh, the bloodlands, uh, and then about the CCP and the defense of Taiwan and taking down the CCP. All of it. Uh, let me bring in Colonel. Mill. By the way, I got Burkwam's in Darien Gap, incredible uh, coverage down there, investigative report. Uh, we've got uh, Naomi coming up on the vaccine. We've got a lot going on today in prepping for the speech by President Trump that really essentially kicks off his campaign. This is the first actual event. It's a, a convention um, up in New Hampshire of the New uh, Hampshire GOP. And then later today, he's in South Carolina. OK, so uh, let's go to Colonel Mills. Colonel Mills, 80 years ago, the uh, and, and what we're going to try to make sure we do every day is for this audience. Because they're forced multipliers to understand that the history of World War II, whereas maybe people in the United States don't remember it, or they see a, a, a mini series like, um, you know, about the 101st Airborne Band of Brothers or and something like that, hits the every year we go back to Normandy and if there's any more of the Greatest Generation still there, they're honored. But for pl- people in that part of the world, it's a living thing, right? It hasn't gone away, and one of the reasons it hasn't gone away is the Hungry Ghost. Of that era, the scale of this conflict there, the brutality of it, uh, the inhumanity of it, uh, it will scar people and will leave uh, deep spiritual impressions for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Colonel Mills, your assessment, sir.
3: Yeah, thank you, Steve. Yeah, uh, people forget Stalingrad now, Volgograd. That was six months of grinding bloodletting between Army Group, group South, Paulus, and the Russian forces. A number of Russian General Zukov is, is the one, but uh, uh, it was grinding. And at that time, and simultaneously during that battle, from August of 42 to February of 43 you had el alamein finally the british stopped rommel in november of 42 but this was all grinding grinding uh, in uh, in stalingrad and uh, i mean this this loss so the, the 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 russians essentially they 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 won pushed back paulus had to surrender but their losses were like 5 to 7 to 1 even in their victory which ground up uh, their armor, their aircraft, their personnel. Oh, oh, oh,
0: oh, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't, don't don't bury the lead. This is how the Russians fight. That's what they're in attrition warfare right now. They talk about the recruits. He's scaling up. They don't care. This is how they fight. They don't care if they Jack lose fight. 5 to 7 to 1. This is how they fought Napoleon. This is how they fought Hitler. They they 10 to 1? I don't care. Hey, they're going to go. Nikita Khrushchev, who eventually became prime minister, people remember him banging the shoe on the table in the, in the Cuban missile crisis, right? The brinksmanship, trying to put... Uh, offensive uh, nuclear weapons into cuba 90 minutes uh from 90 miles off the coast but but what a a couple of seconds to hit a minute or 90 seconds to hit washington dc khrushchev was the political officer when they were losing
3: exactly they they deployed uh,
0: him down there as as and what he did is you know he did he took the generals that were retreating commissar and he shot the generals they were shooting yes. – not the enlisted. and paths of glory, the shooting enlisted guys, they were shooting generals right there and field officers. Shot them right there. You back up an inch, you're shot. They shot – these. this is a whole different level. America's not used to this type of war. He went down well, as well, a yeah, local commissar and was shooting the field commanders. I said, you, you don't have a choice. They, the Germans promoted Paulus over this weekend to a field marshal because they said no field marshal has ever been captured. You're going to have to kill – you're going to have to die in battle or kill yourself. This is a level of, of brutality. A brutality that America and the United States is not used to, and we're in it now. We are, I want to make sure everybody understands we are supplying tanks, battle tanks, to get into a land tank war in the same place where the Wehrmacht and the Russian army fought in 1980 years ago. And people 80 years ago, Patton and Montgomery and Eisenhower and Marshall and all of them, what Omar Bradley was sat there and go, Have you lost your mind? What are you doing? This is a charnel house. Colonel Mills.
3: Yeah, in February of 43 was uh, America's first contact with the Russian army at Kasserine Pass. So just as the Germans were surrendering in Stalingrad, we tasted our first contact and it did not go well for us. So we got the military term is schwacked. It was bad. That's where they had to get rid of a lot of generals. Eisenhower had to sack a lot of generals. And had to bring up uh, Bradley. Had to bring well, up. Ca- this crazy Kasering, guy named we, Pat. we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we, didn't, we, didn't,
0: we didn't, we didn't meet the, we didn't meet the Russians. We met the Germans. That's where Rommel right, did, right, got right. the thing that the first Pass with was with, yeah, with the,
3: with the Germans. Yeah. Yes, German army. Uh, yeah, 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 German army. Talk to uh, me
0: about, talk to me about today. Talk to me, talk to me about today. Talk to me about today. About as you see it as an intel guy, what exactly is happening here in Ukraine?
3: Yeah. This well. Uh, the, this is a sideshow. We just had December and January a dry run of carrier warfare in the Pacific as the two active uh, Chinese carriers ran amok and the Nimitz and the Reagan attempted to to uh, challenge them uh, and people dismiss these two carriers, there's three and four on the way, as soon as carrier three is ready, I think that's really, the as soon as that's fully operational, that's the thing. And they can move their carriers with their long-range missiles in support of them. We don't have these kind of the DF-26 missiles. So it's a distraction. It saps the National Security Council of decision making capacity. It saps the DoD of decision making capacity. Uh, we're not paying attention to the Chinese fentanyl wave coming across the southern border. We're not getting ready uh, for China in the Pacific. So this is these thirty one tanks. In pl- well, the number one thing we need to be deploying to the Ukraine is There's, Inspector ho, 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 General.
0: Ho ho, Staff. ho 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 ho. The po- po- Politico is reporting that. The, the production line. I think the production line is in Dayton. I think it's Dayton, Ohio. The production Le- line. Lima. They're they're, Lima. they're pulling the Lima, Lima, Ohio. Excuse me. In Lima, they're 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 supposedly the Taiwanese saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" A bunch of those tanks on the production line are ours, right? For the defense exactly. of Taiwan. And- they're they're jumping. Ahead. The Ukraine. The Ukrainian. The Ukrainian order may jump in 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 front of that. By the way, there's a four star Air Force general. That's NBC News, if Denver can put that up. He's telling his, he's telling his, uh, his, uh, his commanders, we're going to be in a shooting war with the Chinese Communist Party in Taiwan no later than NLT 2025. Get ready, and we're going to take, quote-unquote, shots to the head Okay, uh, for the Air Force. They're already getting ready for this. Kinetic war, a kinetic war with the Chinese Communist Party over Taiwan, Colonel Mills.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's the head of Air Mobility Command, uh, I mean, excuse me, Transportation Command, Transportation Command. And they're going to be the tip of the spear as we generate our 5,000-series war plans to defend uh, Taiwan uh, and the Second Island chain. I mean, we're ramping up. We're building big radar uh, facility on Palau. We're reopening Wake and uh, Midway. I mean, we're, we're reopening Tinian and Saipan. We got to focus on that. So this, the tanks to Ukraine are a distraction. We need to be deploying an I, inspector general and an inspection staff to the Ukraine to determine exactly what's going on with all of our resources. That's job one in the Ukraine. Uh, these tanks are a distraction. And, uh, so we need to get ready in the Pacific. That's the that's the big show, the main game. Uh, but but that's the problem. It, it distracts the National Security Council. Jake Sullivan is spending all his time counting tanks uh, at the at the White House instead of uh, focusing on the main game. So uh, it, it, the DoD. Do we have me, do this, we have
0: the do we have the, do we have the logistics? Do we have the because for a moment there they were hitting each other with World War One level. Uh, amounts of, of uh, tonnage of, uh, of weaponry. It's gone up much, much higher than that. Do we actually have the logistical ability, the, the ammo? Because the Secretary of the Navy tweeted out a month ago, and they made him take the tweet down, that if we continue to arm Ukraine at the rate we're arming it, we will not be able to supply the Pacific fleet with what it needs to basically fight a surface war. Is, is that changing right now, or are we still in jeopardy of doing that?
3: We are still flailing in our industrial base. This is, not, this is very scary. And uh, Austin has been calling in uh, the industrial base leaders and chastising them. Uh, why haven't you kept all these production lines open? Well, you know, this is basic return on investment. If we're not getting paid to keep these production line open, well, we haven't turned. We're just beginning to turn hulls at Lima for new tanks. Uh, You know, this is, you know, Trump was the one who reopened Lima. Lima was essentially our our only tank plant, was essentially dead, and uh, Trump reopened it. Uh, And those 108 M1A2s that are minus the depleted uranium armor, uh, you know, I called up state several times. State Department says call up the, the Taiwanese embassy. I'm trying to get an exact status. I fought hard for those tanks. The Taiwanese have always wanted those tanks. They're very important. The Taiwanese have spiked their budget upwards. The Japanese have spiked their budget upwards. But our industrial base, it's all about HIMARS. It, it's about Javelin. It's about Stinger. It's about Patriot. It's about 155 millimeter artillery ammunition. We are depleting our stocks, and our industrial base has not ramped up can, yet.
5: Can,
0: can, 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 can we, we – got to bounce, but can we uh, deploy Abrams tanks in there without putting American log- logisticians – uh, no. Maintenance, it, supply this, this training. Is, a lie. is there any way the American yeah, this, co- American American combat troops will have to go into into Ukraine, sir?
3: This is the lie. Is it, it implies advanced force operations, which means oh, oh, that's boots on the ground. Army of Northern Virginia, etc., etc. That means trainers. That means logisticians. It means a commitment and a distraction. It means the NSC is looking to the right when they should be looking to the left. I'm sorry. This is, it's, it's a huge, the joint staff is probably ramping up. They're probably bringing in reservists to, to for, more fully man yeah. the joint staff and the service staffs. It's a distraction. Everybody's looking that direction yeah. when we're supposed to be looking this direction.
0: John, how do, uh, Colonel Mills, how they get to your book, how they get to all your writings uh, and all your content, sir?
3: Yeah, thank you, Steve. TheNationWillFollow.com, TheNationWillFollow.com, preface by Steve K. Kate Bannon, uh, how people were, my colleagues were spying on Trump and getting in front of the Durham investigation. TheNationWillFollow.com, Colonel Rhett John on Getter, Colonel Rhett John on Getter and Truth.
0: You read this and then you'll, it'll make sense about when at least says, Who's no fire breather sits there and goes the intelligence community has committed crimes, that's plural. Okay, sh- uh, Colonel Mills, thank you. We're gonna take a short commercial break. We're gonna go to the Darien Gap. We've got uh, Ben uh, Burkwam. Also, more analysis about uh, about New Hampshire today. President Trump kicks off his really kicks off today uh, the 2024 race. He's going to New Hampshire, the first state that he won back in uh, what back in 16. Going to give a speech to a convention up there. Of uh, Republicans then he heads to South Carolina who'll give a smaller event for basically his leadership team but he's laying out today's speech will be all policy probably 20 minutes long 30 minutes long but it'll be all policy and he'll be coming at the administrative state and the elites and the globalists all of it today from New Hampshire we're doing the pregame right here in the war room
2: has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and cancelling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want, the way you want. Download now.
0: Okay, make sure you go to Getter. We're putting stuff up all day long. There's going to be live streams all over the weekend. You saw what we did at the uh, from uh, Dana Point. There's going to be more uh, this weekend. We'll be updating everybody. A lot going on today um, in, through the entire weekend. So make sure you go to Getter. Download totally free. You can get all the War Room contributors, myself, my personal account. I can do it. You can do it because I'm an absolute, complete, total idiot in this area. Um this is a, a call for all War Room uh, people that went to or, or, or have seen the experience people had at Turning Point and people saw the experience we had in in Dallas at the Texas CPAC back, I think it was in July. We're going to have a major presence at CPAC um, in, in Mar- March 1st through 4th. We want every possible War Room Posse member that can make it to come. We've got a special deal. Go to CPAC.org slash War Room Get 47 bucks off the general mission ticket, and that gets you in. We're going to be doing it live. We're going to have audience participation. We're also going to do breakouts. Uh, if you check with people at those two at those two locations, uh, we stood for uh, hours and made sure that we met everybody and, and shook hands and, and made sure we, do, we could uh, really bond with the war and posse. So we're looking forward to it. And this is going to be incredible. President Trump's going to speak. They're going to obviously have everybody that's thinking about running for president in 2024, plus – you're really going to meet the Warriors, the 20, the 6. They're all going to be there. Well, hopefully most of them will be coming by and doing the show to the degree we can fit it in. Uh, I think Charlie's going to do the show live. Posobiec will be there. It's going to be incre- incredible. Uh, I think Grant's going to be there. I think the morning show is going to be there, Ed and the crew. So it's going to be all the Real America voice, family, uh, and, of course, the War Room and the War Room Posse. So go to CPAC.org slash War Room. You do not want to miss this one. Um. I want to bring in Burquam. Burquam, uh, Ben, you guys have been doing it. we got about – it's about a four-and-a-half minute. I'm going to end this segment in this hour with this incredible package we have from Burquam and Oscar. Uh, then in the next hour, we're going to come back live. We're going to do the entire run-up to the New Hampshire speech. Then we're going to go live to President Trump's speech, and we're going to stick around and do a little post-game analysis before we're way now on route. Uh, 30 seconds, Ben. What are people about to see? Tee this package up.
5: This is the reality of what's going on down in the Darien Gap is uh, the mainstream media, the New York Times, blame it on climate change and in the COVID uh, lockdowns and everything else that they caused, by the way. This is the reality of it. It's their fault. They're doing it. All of this is being driven by the left. And this is the human misery that they're causing. As we're heading out, we see the same group uh, man. stuck here, waiting to figure out what to do. Ask him what happened to their guide. What uh, happened to guide? No guide? No. They're saying. They're saying they they don't want to talk yeah, yeah. about it. But it's just okay. They don't have it. Yeah. sound of the jungle now, ah! crying kids. Ah! 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 10 days that kid's been in the jungle. 10 days because of the United Nations, because of El Otro Lado, Pueblo Sin Fronteras, all of these lefties, AOC, crying on the fence, acting like America's the bad guys because of Democrats ending the most successful border policies in American history under President Trump that actually protected more people and said, don't come, don't put your kids through this. Don't put yourself through this. Don't be raped, don't be robbed, don't be murdered by the cartels. And the Democrats came in and said, no, be raped, be robbed, be murdered, we don't care as long as it destroys America. That's what's happening right now. We're walking this trail, we're in the Darien Gap, this is day three, it's day 10 for that child. Makes me sick. One of the things that I, we are in the rest area, in the middle of the jungle, see behind me, Chief Guerra, uh, chief of the troop, See a lot of contamination again in every part that they stop. A lot of trash. One of the things that uh, all of us we have been that we have been reporting on the borders in the crisis, that is this: the crisis of children. This is a child's tennis shoe, around two to three years old. Imagine that going through this travesty at that age, and God knows who is bringing that child. That is the seriousness of this travesty. Looks like we caught up with another group, all Haitians, so what we've seen so far on this trip are almost exclusively Haitians, Africans, and Chinese. You have some Ecuador, people from Ecuador have some other, uh, a lot of Venezuelans too, but there's a new Haitian wave coming. Biden, the message is spreading. They all know America is open. Thanks!
4: Wow.
0: Okay, you just saw the incredible Ben Burkwam, Oscar Blue Romero. We're going to take a short commercial break. Back in 90 seconds. So hang on. We're, going to do, we're doing the pregame of the, this amazing New Hampshire speech by President Donald J. Trump. We're going to be back in the war room in just a moment.
2: We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP.
0: War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. For only $10 a month, go to their website, Unplugged.com. That's Unplugged.com slash War Room to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart.